0: Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
1: All righty. It is Pure Opelka, the third hour. And, you know, typically when we get to the when we get to the uh, end of a, a long week, uh, I, I didn't make myself clear. I sent a note to the staff in in Dallas outlining the schedule for each hour, and it's confusing the way I wrote it. They they gave Carl Ruiz an early call, so uh, my bad, my fault. It's conf- It's confusing. We'll call him back at the bottom of the hour. Sorry, Cuban. <laughs> the mad Cuban, Carl Ruiz. Joining us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I was hoping I was hoping that maybe the boss would call in. I was hoping Glenn Beck would call in because uh, after this show today, live on Facebook, Dennis Prager and Glenn Beck are doing something pretty cool. They're doing a live conversation. And um, it's a Prager University thing. If you haven't seen Dennis Prager's videos on YouTube – or any of the stuff he's posted, these are really great five-minute history lessons, five-minute common sense political things that you can see. And Glenn is doing this today at uh, 4.15 East Coast time, 1.15 West Coast time on the Facebook. Apologies to the liberty-loving Latino I'm sorry, Mr. Salcedo, but um, it is Glenn Beck's network. I wrote Glenn a note and said, hey, you want to plug this thing you're doing? Uh, happy to take a call uh, up until 2.30, basically saying, you know, we're going to talk barbecue after 2.30. And then I realized, um, w- wait a minute, it- it's Glenn's network. I really shouldn't put any, <laughs> any restrictions on, on the guy that owns the place. Yeah, you can only call between 210 and 215, Glenn. That's it. But today on Facebook, Facebook Live, a conversation from the Prager University headquarters. I know Glenn, Glenn has been talking about uh, what uh, Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla have been doing. And you want to talk about diametrically opposed or people you might think are diametrically opposed to each other. That seems like a really, a really bizarre, a really strange combination, right? All right, I wanted to before we went away at the top, at the end of the last hour, I mentioned social networks. I mentioned that today is National Social Network Day, which is kind of funny with all the, all the um, focus that's been placed on Twitter and the tweets between uh, one television network and the white house and the other funny thing about this this mess between mika and joe and the president is that that show morning joe used to get marching orders from the obama white house and i don't know if anybody remembers that there were times during morning joe and i think i even wrote some of these stories on the blaze i'd have to go back and check Check the archives. But there are stories and, and they are on the blaze. And again, I'm wondering if it's one of the ones I wrote because I, I, Mika was fun to watch. She was great fodder for stories because our audience loved to uh, loved to see when she made dumb statements, which was often. But Mika, one time live on the show, talked about getting a text message from Valerie Jarrett. Valerie Jarrett was was President Trump, uh, President Obama's right hand, and some people referred to Valerie Jarrett as the most powerful woman in Washington and the second most powerful person in the world. She had the president's ear. In fact, Valerie Jarrett has moved into the same neighborhood as the Obamas have moved into. Valerie Jarrett is still connected at the at the brain or at the hip. To Barack Obama. And she used to send text mes- messages to Mika during Morning Joe, critiquing or feeding stories to them. So this whole social media thing uh, is not new to this, to this show, to Morning Joe. They've had a connection to the last two White Houses, to the Obama White House and now to the Trump White House. It's a little more public the current one, because ultimately the Obama administration was the least transparent administration pretty much ever. So when, when we celebrate today, when we have the big party, the cupcake for Social Network, National Social Network Day, uh, we know that they won't be celebrating in Germany. And you guys know where I stand on free speech. You guys know that that I believe free speech is and must be the thing we have to protect more than anything else. If we lose free speech, we lose the Second Amendment. If we lose free speech, we lose all of them. So when I read that a country like Germany has come out and told social networking companies that you better delete hate speech fast or we're going to find the hell out of you. Now, hate speeches is is a pretty awful thing, and I I certainly don't like people advocating for the assassination of our president, but who's going to be the arbiter, and who's going to tell you how fast it has to be? And and who in the American congressional pool is now looking at this going, they're going to... They're going to find people up to $57 million if they don't delete hate speech quick enough. Do you know how much money we could get? Because, you know, that's how this is dealt with. The the people that write the laws in Washington look at stories like this and say, this would be a great way to tax the crap out of some of these social media networks. Google makes a lot of money. Facebook and Twitter, they're making a lot of money we could fine him for not deleting hate speech quickly enough. Now it comes down to what is hate speech and what is quickly enough and what is illegal online content. And again, this goes right to what we have in this country is the freedom of speech. And I will, I will fight for your ability to be as offensive as you want to be with with boundaries yeah i don't think you can talk about assassinating the president of the united states or blowing up the white house madonna so german lawmakers passed it on friday passed it today basically in germany and this means there's going to be will this will this be angela merkel's uh ministry of what are we going to call it? Ministry of hate speech? So Google, Facebook, Twitter, those are the, the big three that they're going to be looking at. What about Instagram? And the justice who ruled on this said, we cannot accept that social networks ignore our laws. They can no longer allow their infrastructure to be abused for committing crimes. Wouldn't it be awful to have... Speech be considered a crime. Can you imagine? It sure feels like we're drifting that way. Again, the First Amendment thing is the most important thing we have. After the first, everything else is second. Everything else. So the tech executives are claiming they're policing it. They're doing everything they can. Google and Facebook are are getting complaints, huge numbers of complaints, something along the lines of 7,500 user complaints. And uh, I think that's daily. And they're going to now be putting in more than uh, 700 monitors in Germany alone. So they're going to have to have people that will we will sift through all the complaints and decide if something is, is uh, hate speech and get it removed. So if you're, you know what, though? Here's a, here's a job. Here's a job coming available. All of the social networks are going to, they're probably going to uh, add to their staffs here. Because, again, I'm betting you that there is a Democrat somewhere writing a law right now that will be the clean up social media hate speech law, whatever you want to call it. And um, one of the one of the foundations in Germany that that fights hate speech, but opposes the limitations of legislation like this said, and I quote, this is a great opportunity for authoritarian states. Anyone else get a little chill when you heard that? This is a great opportunity for authoritarian states. yeah, I'm very nervous about this. I know you're saying it's Germany. it's not going to come here. Um, I'd be very worried. I'd be very, very worried. stepping aside for a break when we get back, uh maybe we'll go to something funny that Stephen Colbert said, maybe. Or maybe uh, we'll dive into a more serious news item. Uh, We'll spin the wheel of news topics next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
0: is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka
1: on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Just around the corner, we are going to have a discussion about a very serious topic. A serious topic that warrants all of us to give full attention to it, full respect to it. And um, let's be honest with one another. You know, we if we've learned nothing from doing this show that... It's the brutal honesty that makes us better and stronger, ultimately. And there's no more important topic this weekend than uh, barbecuing. So uh, Carl Ruiz will join us at the bottom of the hour. He's the Mad Cuban. You've seen him. He's been on the Food Network. He's, He's all over the place. He appears on other radio shows with my friend Greg Opie Hughes as well a couple of a couple of weird little stories um are we going to get a surprise today are we going to get a repeal of obamacare that's the whisper no no we're not it would be wonderful if we did but the gop was only able to pass a repeal obamacare bill what 61 times during the obama administration but since Since uh, Barack Obama's gone, we can't do that. Since we have complete control of the, the House and the Senate and the White House, we can't seem to find any copies of that old bill and, you know, run it through the copy machine, vote on it again, and hand it to the president. Why would we do that? Doesn't make any sense, right? Craziness. Do you ever have a stabbing pain in your side? You know, like a, as we used to call it a stitch, like a stitch. Sylvie Doobie, Sylvie Doobie is a Canadian woman who, who said she had a stitch, you know, like a, she said she had a stabbing pain in her side and for like two months. And she said, I'll eventually get to the doctor. Is that what she said? Or is that the Canadian healthcare system telling her you have a stabbing pain in the side? Yeah, we'll get you in in two months. I can't be sure which one of those it is. But remember, Canada's really proud of its healthcare system. So um, Sylvie finally got to the doctor. And uh, the doctor said, you have, a, you have a stabbing pain in your side? Hmm. I wonder what that could be. So they took an x-ray. And Sylvie, who had recently had a... Um, a hysterectomy to deal with an obvious serious medical issue. Sylvie uh, was found to have a foot-long medical saw left inside of her after the hysterectomy was finished. Somebody left a foot-long medical saw inside Sylvie Ruby, and it was there for at least two months. And all she could say was, you know, I got this strange feeling I'm being stabbed. I feel like I'm being stabbed with a knife. Seriously. Anybody else want to talk about Obamacare and repealing it? And, or, or do you want us all to think about single payer? Because that's if we don't do anything, we're headed to single payer. If we do nothing, we're going straight down that road to single payer. So, every time I see stories like this, like the great Canadian healthcare system, single payer, everyone gets healthcare, but it stinks on ice. At least it stinks on ice for everybody. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of the idea of single payer in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, anybody who's got premiums going up, and just because you have a card doesn't mean you have coverage. Ask Sylvie. She's got that Canadian citizenship that grants her health care that leaves a foot-long knife inside of her after she has a hysterectomy. Dear God, people. <sighs> Just irritating. And I'm sure she's irritated as well. Uh, in other strange news, a Pennsylvania man expressed his love for his uh, Harley Davidson with the sidecar that he wants to be buried in the sidecar in the harley and you know this is one of those things that if it's if it's truly a harley davidson with a sidecar that's a that's a badass motorcycle can we not bury good motorcycles it's a 1990 harley davidson heritage softtail so he's they're going to actually do this they're going to prop him up put him inside the harley dig a hole and put them in it and fill it in. And I'm betting you this is one of those where they actually do, what do they do? They they pour concrete over it because some schmageggy will dig them up and try and take them out, or at least take the motorcycle out. <sighs> Irritating, I know. Well, we're um, we're minutes away from our barbecue fest and talking about uh, barbecues. Do you have a question about the art of barbecuing do you want to know i know uh the duchess uh stacy rippey sent in a question because she apparently can't um can't be on the phone during the break but if you want to ask chef carl ruiz a question about barbecues he's going to be taking questions he's going to be doling out advice i have a question about cleaning grills you know because when we talk about when we talk about frying chicken they always talk about don't clean your cast iron frying pan. Just rinse it out. No soap. Let it be seasoned and that flavor will come in there. And so I'm wondering if the same holds true for the barbecue. Does that crusty old barbecue grill, does that hold the secret to a delicious steak or a delicious piece of fish or a delicious chicken? I want to know. So we'll, we'll ask Carl just around the corner. And if you want to ask a question, 888 900 three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three it is the independence day i almost said fourth of july the independence day barbecue segment with my buddy the chef carl ruiz just around the corner and i guess i guess glenn beck isn't calling in he's out in california he's getting ready to do this facebook thing with uh with dennis prager I told him he had till two thirty to call in because we have to talk barbecue and he's not going to do it. All right. So it's, it's barbecue, fake news, real news. And, um, you know, when we, when we get back, um, also apparently, um, here in Delaware, we have an alligator in a local park, maybe two accidentally photographed. And now the, the, uh, County authorities are trying to tell us it's a tire. I have the picture. It's not a tire. We'll get into that next. I'm Piero Pelka. You're
0: listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure
1: Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka, and you know when when you plan on taking a chunk of your show on a Friday afternoon and stopping the news chatter to talk about food, invariably something in the world will break, something horrible will happen, and you will have to postpone. Typically, something horrible will happen, and you have to postpone. Dealing with something as wonderful as a discussion of food and barbecuing and grilling and all that stuff And I'm happy to say the world behaved The world is actually following this crazy Donald Trump morning Joe stunt as opposed to anything else crazy Serious happening. So we're good. We've got open seas clear skies Open roads, no traffic ahead of us as we welcome my friend, the the Mad Cuban, Carl Ruiz, is with us. Hello, chef. How are you? I I was I was nervous because you know how the fates do; they always come in and mess with you, they tweak you, and and I was oh, nervous I that something was going to happen.
0: No, we made it through unscathed today. Nothing crazy, no crazy tweaks, nothing. We're okay.
1: Well, it's early. I'm I'm telling you, it's early now. <laughs> are, are you at the restaurant right now? Are you working at the moment?
0: I I am. I'm uh, I'm working at one of the restaurants.
1: Yeah. Which one? Go ahead. Give it a plug. I'm
0: uh, I'm at Marisa Tine Specialties in Chatham, New Jersey, um, and I'm getting ready. We're launching a cioppino. It's a long story, but uh, we're doing a cioppino. chipino is one of my favorite dishes in San Francisco, and I just can't get a good one, so I'm just going to make it myself.
1: What is a chipino?
0: Pinot is a weird mixture of an Italian seafood stew and a Basque seafood stew. And uh, it's based in a red tomato sauce with a little bit of saffron and white wine. And has crabs in it and mussels and clams and scallops and shrimp. It's really good. And we make it in a wow. big pot. Yeah, it's,
1: it's so it's, not, it's in a pot. It's a stew, not like a paella.
0: It's, it's, it's like a paella if someone stole the rice.
1: Okay <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right so when when you serve it, when you serve a chipino, you serve it in a bowl we, well I serve them right in the pot
0: right in the pot that I cook it in just to keep it warm. I don't like to transfer seafood once I cook it um, like that, like a lot of seafood together, um, so I'll just give you the whole bowl and then you can do it yourself. and just you lose a lot of temperature. you know with seafood, you can't heat it up like a soup uh, because all the seafood will get tough. You know, so, so you know, you can only go up to about 150 degrees as opposed to a soup where you can get close to 200, you know. So, I mean, it's really inside baseball. But if you heat up, you know, seafood too much, uh, everything too tends to seize. Seafood seizes. It doesn't get more tender. It gets tougher.
1: I didn't so, know uh,
0: that. I, I had yeah. no idea. And, and here's a little tip for everyone that's listening. If you ever go to a, uh, if you ever go to a, a place and order seafood and you want to take it home. And you want to heat it up the next day. I do this with all food, but especially seafood. Like, say you get a paella, right, Mike? You open up a a freezer bag. You put the the, the paella leftovers in there. You seal it up good. And when you want to eat it again, you warm up uh, a pot of water and you put the freezer bag in there. and And it warms up the paella without cooking it again. And then it'll be perfect, just like it was at the restaurant. And that's So what d- do don't
1: microwave foods. it.
0: No, microwaves are the microwaves are bad with seafood because remember microwaves they heat from the inside out, right? So so the middle of a scallop, the middle of a shrimp is getting annihilated before you know for to make the surface temperature hot. It's really dangerous. It's a no no for seafood.
1: Wow, I never thought how much science is actually involved in cooking. And there are optimal temperatures. There are things you should and shouldn't do. I, I you know, we crotch on microwaves because they're so easy, but you know right. it wouldn't take that much longer to boil a pot of water. Is that why all kitchens have that giant, giant, a uh, pan or that giant pot of water always kind of steaming there off in the back on the on the stove?
0: Right. Well, what we see in, in, in professional kitchens, that boiling pot of water, is like uh, the eraser on a number two pencil right so say you're salt you're cooking and your sauce gets too thick you go to that, you get a little ladle you get from that boiling pot of water and you add it and now your sauce is okay say your butter sauce breaks or your hollandaise you go get a little bit of water touch of vinegar your hollandaise is back in business so that thing is constantly going for us because you know it keeps everything uh it keeps everything on the up and up, and it keeps everybody in the kitchen exfoliated too. But uh, it's uh, <laughs> you know it's something that we use, and it, you know it's for, you know it's one of the best things in the world.
1: And that explains your youthful look, <laughs> your, yeah, your yeah. boyish skin.
0: <laughs> yes, if you compare it to Keith Richards,
1: <laughs> of course. And every Keith Richards is the baseline for all these comparisons for
0: chefs, right? We compare ourselves to Keith Richards. We're fine,
1: <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh we're talking to Carl Ruiz. You can uh, he, right now you can find him at the restaurant. He's he's prepping for tonight with uh making a chipino as I've just learned at Marie's Italian Specialties in Chatham, New Jersey. You know, it's a nice that's a nice area of New Jersey. That's a that's a some high dollar traffic in and out of that place. I would hope. I love it. I call it the other side of the finish line. You know, everybody
0: <laughs> here <laughs> Everybody here made it. You know. Well, that's good. So, uh, that's good. Well, you know, and, I, and I I saw an accident in the mall the other day. It was three Range Rovers crashed into each other. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> and and the and the women came out of each Range Rover and they couldn't have been nicer and happier. They I think they all went for coffee. It's a great place to live.
1: That is so funny. Three Range Rovers in an accident, nobody got mad. They all went for, they probably went for Chablis or something.
0: Somewhere. If I went for Chablis. I couldn't make, I couldn't tell the difference between, they were all wearing yoga pants and hugs and hugging and laughing and it's just a beautiful sight.
1: Well, that that is Chatham, New Jersey. Well, Chef, uh, as, as we get ready for the weekend, a lot of people are going to be grilling. Um, I, I've opened up the phone lines in case anybody wants to sure. call in and, and grill you and ask a question. But I have questions that people sent in and uh, cause not everybody could get out of work. Uh, and they talk about dumb mistakes and you, I already gave everybody the one that you always talk about. And, and that is letting your meat get to room temperature. And right. I, I never realized just how important it was, but uh, you said it does two things to, uh, to the, the process. It, it, It makes it tough to get an even cook, but it also changes the the actual fire, especially if you're using coals.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you put anything that's, you know, out of a refrigerator, which is usually about 38 to 40 degrees, and you put that on a grill, um, you're actually not cooking. You're cooling down the grill. So uh, when you cool down a grill, people say, oh, why? Why is my piece of fish stuck? Or why is my hamburger stuck? It's because it's very cold. So when things don't stick on something, it's because it's so hot that the protein is actually skipping on the grates. That's You know, it's actually Microsoft. If you put a little camera there, you would see it skipping on the grates, and that's what makes it nonstick. The minute you, you drop.
1: Did we lose Carl? I think we may have lost Carl. Okay, I'll tell you what. Well, we're gonna—we've got him through the end of the hour, so let's take a break, and we'll see if we can come back and talk to Carl. I have to ask him about grilling too hot, and I have to ask him about cleaning the grill, cause those are the questions you guys sent in. If you want to ask him one yourself, triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. I hope we get the Cuban back after this. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze
0: Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka.
1: We're with uh, Chef Carl Ruiz, uh, the mad Cuban, at Sabor Chef on Instagram. And he's a friend. He's also a guy who you may have seen on the food channel, the Food Network. Uh, the guy's a genius, and he's good, and he's funny, and he's a nice guy, and all that, too. But don't cross him. That's what I'm just telling you. Just be careful. Because. All the chefs carry knives. They don't tell you this, but they all do. And I think Carl also may carry a firearm. I don't know. Um, Carl, Cecil's on the phone from Dallas, and uh, he's got a question about ribs. And, and I, think, um, I think you, as a, as a barbecue guy, have some skill in this area. Cecil, welcome to yeah. the show. Thank you. What's your question What's for Carl? To
0: uh the question is uh, on uh, uh grilling ribs um uh, 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 some folks uh put them in the oven uh first uh, for a while and then put them on the grill and then add the you know the, uh, the sauces and stuff I, and some just sort go straight to the grill so my question right. is what does he feel like what does the chef feel like it's the best way to get a nice right. rib not all not right, a not a fall off the meat rib not a fall off the meat rib i don't like I like a no, all I, right hang on I'm, I'm, I'm with you i'm i'm with you and, I'm, and, and uh, i know how texas eats ribs and they're not going to eat them like they're you know in a hospital they're going to they're going to have some, they're going to have some bite <laughs> yeah. to them so i understand Yeah. um yeah. i'm going to be perfectly honest with you my i like to do everything on the grill but let's be realistic ribs uh, just the way they're shaped, uh, it it really ties up the grill. You know what I mean? So yeah. what I like to do is um, I like to commit only half of my grill to cooking and the other half for holding or warming something. So I always look at a grill, I look at it in half. And if you take any home grill and you look at it in half, chances are you can't fit a rack of ribs, right? So yeah. I like to do them in the oven first. Um, then get my my left or right side of the grill, whichever one you like to use, get it nice and hot, and just use the grill to mark them. I really, you okay. know, I think uh, I think if you're using really good lump coal, uh, you'll get that nice little smoky flavor. Um, yes. If you're barbecuing, that's a whole other thing. Then we'll put it in the smoker, but that's, uh, you know, that's wearing overalls yeah. and drinking beers and watching sports for 10 hours until they're done. But, but <laughs> yeah. if you're going to grill, you know, if you're going to grill, I like to do them in the oven because – uh, people don't mind coming to your house and watching you grill for an hour, uh, but nobody wants to be there for six, you know, to get yeah. one rip. So
1: well, uh, I don't yeah. want them there for six, Carl. That's my <laughs> my point too. <laughs> you don't
0: want my Cuban family there. All your phone chargers will be missing in an hour.
1: That's so true. that's secrets. true. Uh,
0: you want to get the people yeah. in and out.
1: But thank so, you, Cecil. Give uh, yeah. it give it a, g- give it a shot it. with that they will do thank you thank Take you the- you know C- carl you brought up a question that that i was going to ask you how much cuz i worry about dissipation of heat and how right. much of the grill do you do you save space do you put zones on there for like direct heat indirect heat and do you how much of the grill surface do you cover well you should
0: only cook on half of your grill all okay. right that is the number The number one mistake people make is they look and they have a 48 inch grill. They spread out, they spread out all their hot dogs and hamburgers across it just to see the sheer majesty of their (laughs) recent Home Depot purchase. (laughs) You know what I mean? But what you're doing is you're really tying yourself up, right? You're, you, you, you've gone from from a, a very sophisticated piece of equipment. You've turned it into a light switch where it's either on or off. Right. And that's, (laughs) And that's bad. So you want one side to be piping hot. And then with the knobs, you move it down. We're talking about propane or anything like that. You know, you move them down until the last one is off. So think about it as stairs or a slope, uh, and it's headed towards zero heat. Because whenever you cook burgers, like when I have a barbecue, you know, I have people that ask me for stuff. I want one all the way done. I want one medium rare. And if your grill is completely on, you can't accommodate anyone. Number one, number two, all your stuff's going to cook at the same time. And guess what? Chicken, hot dogs, beef, nothing cooks at the same time. If they're not friends on the farm, they're not going to be friends on the grill. So, you know, you have to keep everything, you know, at a different temperatures. And, and uh, if you follow that rule, you'll be very successful in grilling. And you'll never burn anything because you'll have a place to land. In, in restaurants, we call it having a landing zone. I you like know, that. oh, my God, that fish is almost going to that, that fish is almost over. So then you, you put it on the cold side and you land the fish.
1: You know, you right. keep it from, from overcooking. I've got like 90 seconds left. Let me give you the, uh, the, the lightning round here. Uh, Kelly ahead. asked uh, the question about resting meat. Do you have to rest meat before you cut it?
0: Absolutely. It's very, very, very important. And I'll, I'll give you the quick science of it. When you grill something, you push... Um, the way a muscle works is it tightens up. So all the blood in it, the muscle, the heat makes the muscle contract and it moves all the blood into the center of the protein. We call that in restaurants, the bullseye. So if you cut it, when that bullseye is in effect, um, your meat will look gray on the outside and then red on the middle. Right. And that's awful. So you got to let it rest about 10 minutes and then you slice it and you'll see the red go all the way to the edges. You know, you, you bring okay. it back to life. You let the blood, blood settle.
1: I like it. And, and the do we clean the grill? Are we supposed to scrub that grill or does it season like a cast iron pan? I've got about 30 here.
0: Seasoning, schmeasoning. Clean the grill. Let's not be crazy. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? I mean,
0: season it. I mean, your your Bubba, your Bubba burgers don't need seasoning. They need salt. You know what I mean? So clean your grill. Keep it clean. Uh, get a rag with oil. Always boil it with vegetable oil, and you'll be all set. The dirty grill is a lazy man's excuse.
1: I'm up against the, the hard wall. No. Thank you, Carl Ruiz. Come back, won't That's you? Course. I will, Test- buddy. Thank you, man. Testudo, my friends. Testudo.
0: Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.